Welcome to the Just Larson Show on Innovation and Leadership. I'm really excited to have repeat guest Brendan Kane on the show. Uh, didn't catch my last time with him on. I'm such a fan of his book, Cook Point. I read it four times in a row and then asked him to be on the show. I referred it like crazy. A lot of our previous guests get it as a gift from me. His other book, One Million Followers, is, is amazing as well. Uh, I'm super stoked you're back on the show again. Thanks for coming. No, thanks, Jess. It's a pleasure to connect with you again. Um, so for anybody who did miss the first episode, can we, can we do a quick refresher on, you know, at the movie studios, helping movie stars, and then helping all sorts of businesses and in understanding how to cut through the you know, 100 billion messages a day going out on mobile these days? Yeah, so I, I've been in the, the digital and social space, uh, especially the social media space, since the earliest st stages of it. So I started in 2004, 2005, when MySpace and Friendster were the predominant players and, uh, you know, was thrust into the film industry and, you know, was, you know, given significant challenges in that we would invest tens of millions, sometimes more, into a single piece of content. And then we needed hundreds of millions of people to know about this single piece of content in a matter of months. We didn't have years or decades. So it really posed a, a, you know, a big challenge to figure out how do you, you know, break through the noise, put this piece of content around the world in such a short period of time. And predominantly when I first started, it was done through television, print, and radio, uh, which was effective at the time, but it was also extremely expensive. So I just started really looking at the whole ecosystem of social media and saw the power and effective and efficiency of leveraging, leveraging these platforms to disseminate your message to the masses. Uh, and one of the ways I did it, I did the first ever influencer campaign on YouTube in 2007 for a movie. So I was really tapping into these ecosystems and saw the power of it and, and ended up leaving the movie studio system and built the first ever influencer technology platform on top of MySpace. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, there was no such thing as an influencer. I was just seeing these people that were generating a lot of views on content, but the term influencer didn't exist in that context of social media. Uh, so it ended up being a little bit early. Uh, but I continued down that path of building technology, advising companies, uh, leveraging social media platforms, leveraging advertising platforms to really help brands uh, at scale connect with their core audience and achieve the specific KPIs that they were going out for. And was it was it Lakeshore? Where were you to begin with? Yeah, so I first did uh, Lakeshore Entertainment, uh, which was kind of a mini studio. Our films ranged from like 10 to 75 million. So they did films like the Underworld series, Million Dollar Baby. Uh, and uh, then I worked at Paramount uh, as well uh, for about a year. I'm actually really interested here, you know, because it's fun in the books uh, to hear about yeah, helping Taylor Swift or Jason Statham having meetings with you and and taking Katie Couric when, you know, she went from TV to Yahoo and she wasn't getting the views and you tweak some things and all of a sudden she's getting millions of views. It's fun to hear those stories. Um, and I'm really interested. What are some of the fun things since you were on here last that have happened? Oh, that's a good question. There's so much I always forget. <laughs> I mean, because it's like just the past, I think, week I was in. London, then I was speaking in Lisbon, then I was speaking in Paris, then I went back to Lisbon, and now I'm in LA. So it's like, oftentimes I am end up in these situations where I wake up in a hotel room and I don't remember where I'm at. Um, but, you know, I, I spoke in Dubai, that was first, my first time in Dubai, that was amazing. Uh, spoke in Estonia, first time there. 
and then just the business has really, I think, transformed since the last time we talked where we've really uh, focused more on research and insights uh, because we just see a huge gap in the market, as we talked about last time and in the book Hook Point, is because now we live in a world where there's 4 billion content creators on the planet. 4 billion people literally can pull out a phone and post something to social media, which equates to about 200 billion messages sent in the world every day. It's really fundamentally shifted the way that we have to communicate because we're no longer just competing against our direct competition. We're competing against every piece of content. We're competing against Kim Kardashian, Kevin Hart, Netflix, ESPN, all of these things. And it's in a way, it's almost like learning a new language is there's these nuances to it. Uh, so where we're focusing a majority of our effort is, is we, we mine publicly available data on social media. Uh, and what we're doing is we are deconstructing virality. We're reverse engineering it. So what we're looking at is creative nuances and performance drivers that cause virality, but also detract from it. And the interesting part of it is it's not about the content because any message can go viral. Insurance goes viral. Investments go viral. Medical goes viral. Uh, any subject matter can go viral. It's really the context of how you're sharing that message to the world. So we're looking at 50 different performance indicators as we're analyzing content. So like pacing, tonality, number of edits, first three seconds, you know, facial cues, body gestures, backgrounds, environments, all of those things to really determine what are those creative nuances that really grab and hold attention for as long as possible. Like the best analogy I can give you is uh, starting off in the film industry, you learn that every film uses the same three-act structure, you know, to, to tell a story. Um, but I think everybody listening to this can, can relate is one night you can sit down and watch a movie and you think it is the best movie you've ever seen. It's an Academy Award winner. And the next night you sit down and watch a movie and it's the worst movie you've ever seen. Yet they're using the exact same three-act structure. So what's different? Well, it's these creative nuances. It's the dialogue. It's the editing. It's uh, the directing. It's the cinematography. And that's the same applies with social media. So when our, our analysts are studying content, what we're looking at is like specific formats. Like, so specific formats for specific channels, because we don't look at like the whole general landscape of social media because there's so many different variables at play. Uh, so to give you an example, uh, there is a format that you've probably seen. We call it two characters, one light bulb. And essentially it's the same person having a conversation with themselves. So they like go back with themselves talking about different subject matters. And that format's used for everything. There's a lawyer, uh, Erica Kohlberg, that uses it to talk about like the fine print in like legal contracts around like airline tickets and things like that. Um, it's used in fitness and nutrition and investing, all of these different elements. Uh, so that that format, within that format, there's people that are super successful, but then people that are not successful. So we what we do is we analyze the high performers in that format. It's like 30 to 50 million views on the top end. But then we analyze the low performers, people using the exact same format, but generating like 10,000 views or less. And what we're doing is we're looking for the performance drivers, these creative nuances that show up in the high performers, but don't show up in those low performers so that we can glean these insights of really what is causing this content to break through and rise above the noise. Can you give us a couple more examples? Yeah, absolutely. So there is there is a um, challenge called uh, the 30-day challenge. 
it's on YouTube. So people is like, I'll quit sugar for 30 days or I will um, fast for 30 days. And again, what we're looking at is between those high performers and those low performers, what are the differences in how they're telling stories? But we also look at it within a channel because we need to have a control. So we'll look at a specific account within that and see that they're using the exact same format that generates 3 million views. And then they do another video with the exact same format that generates 30,000 views. Um, another example is a friend of mine. His name is Alex Stemp. He's one of the top TikTok uh, influencers. He's, he just reached 20 million followers. And he's the, he's the individual that approaches random strangers on the street and offers them professional photo shoots. And we did a deep analysis of his account because his high performers are like 80 to 90 million views and his low performers are like 300 to 600,000 views. And one of the interesting things that we saw, and this really plays to what we talk about in Hook Point of really grabbing and holding attention is the ones that had like 90 million views plus the retention graph, meaning the average time somebody would watch that piece of content was 27 seconds. And then we analyzed it against like a, a like an average performer, 5 million views, and that average retention was 21 seconds. So we're talking about a six second differential that represents nearly 85 to 90 mil, million views in performance. That's like the level of kind of nuance that we're talking about in this creative and how kind of like cutthroat that battle is for attention. And, and so based on that insight, are you saying you're recommending him make those another six seconds longer? Or are you saying make sure you've got the interest that they'll stick around for six seconds? Or what's the learning? Yeah, so what we're, what we're doing is we're looking at the, the creative process that he's, or the creative nuances that he's using that show up in that high performer versus that average performer. So for him, it's how is he unfolding the story? What happens in those first three seconds? What is the pacing? What is the tonality? What is the reaction? What is the type of reaction that the person shows when he approaches them on the street? So these nuances make all the difference in the world. That's super interesting to, to find out because, you know, I think there's so many of us that wouldn't have guessed that that's the answer, right? That that's the... Yeah, I mean, most of... people, most, and I hear this a lot from clients is they're like, oh, well, it's great that you've worked with like MTV or Taylor Swift, but I'm an in insurance. Insurance will never go viral. But it does. Or taxes. There's a YouTube account called Clear Value Tax that has over a million subscribers and generates millions and millions of views a month. But it's the context of way the way that he describes it. Um, so like where he went super viral was uh, during COVID, he started producing videos around stimulus checks. Like, when are you going to get a stimulus check? Are you going to get a second one? How much is it going to be for? And that's another big principle that we see in virality is how can you make your content interesting to the general population? So how do you make taxes interesting to the general population? Well, at the time of COVID, stimulus checks were a big thing. People really wanted to know if they were going to get one, how much it was going to be. Was there going to be a second one? versus his so those are his high performers versus his low performers he's talking about like the fed interest rate spiking or things like that that's very narrow and niche and those underperform so it's it's all about how do you take your subject matter your niche and make it interesting and digestible to anybody so there's another um youtuber that does this really well named graham stefan that teaches finance to millennials and his most viewed video is how i bought a tesla for 78 dollars so that's super interesting. Who wouldn't want to see how he bought a Tesla for $78?
but within that video, he's teaching finance to millennials. You know, he's telling a compelling story. Now, if he would have, you know, structured that video of, um, I'm going to teach you how to get the most out of financing a car, it wouldn't do that. You know, it maybe generate a few thousand views versus the 8 million views that he generated on how I bought a Tesla for $78. So that's a big element of being successful on social, specifically organic social, to reach maximum velocity with your message to rise above the noise and stand out. It's interesting to me, you've, you've spent so much time to learn this skill set. And it's such an obviously valuable skill set for a business owner, for an investment fund manager, for people who are trying to get the word out about something. You think about how much money gets spent on our sales teams, how much money gets spent on our other marketing programs. And I, I wonder why more people don't take the time to figure out like how to develop this skill set. Like to me, I think like it's like there's all these people with investment advice, and then there's Warren Buffett, who is the greatest investor in the history of the world, objectively, and he teaches his, how to do it. And yet people learn, oh, I want to do forex trading instead, or I want to do this instead. And it's like objectively inferior systems if if you the output you're looking for is the most amount of money in the long run. Uh why do you think that people spend so much time doing what we're used to instead of learning something where our hours and our dollars get so much of a higher result? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think that there's multiple levels. And, and honestly, that question is the challenge that our company faces um, because it is so nuanced and we're seeing things that nobody else is seeing. Like, um, you know, we're working with like YouTube is one of our clients and, and, and we're having to supply these insights. We work with top creative agencies, even creative agencies that are known for generating viral videos. But I think that there's a, a few elements is, is, is number one, uh, in the past of creating content, especially advertising content, pre-social media, or even the earliest days of social media, you would just pay to get your content on a television show. So you'd basically pay for TV spot or a radio spot. And if people can remember back before Netflix, back before TiVo, where you couldn't skip, you know, ads and content <laughs> or or you could pay to avoid it, you were forced to watch it. So a lot of the creative processes, the creative principles that are still used today were designed pre-social media. So they think just because I'm going to produce this this ad or even just an organic piece of content that people are going to sit there and watch it. And that's the reality of the situation is it's not going to happen because, you know, pre-social media to reach the masses, you had to go through a television station, a magazine, a newspaper, radio station. Today, any one of us, any individual can literally pick up a phone, click a button and publish something which means that there's so much noise and competition out there. Uh, I think that also because of the sure fact that it's so easy to post content to social media, it doesn't require a lot of thought into it. So there's a lot of um, companies that will just post something and expect people to view it because it's so easy to post. Um, and I And I would say another issue that we see often is, again, these um, the creative processes and in content that's generated, especially by the bigger brands, is so polished. It's it just comes off 
like it should be a television ad, but yet they still post it to social media. And the problem with that is us as consumers, all of us that participate in social media, we consume so much content that essentially we've become professionals at consuming content. So literally subconsciously at a split second, we can determine, oh, this is an ad or this is a branded piece of content. So I'll skip past it. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been brought into meetings or worked with clients that I look at their social media account and it's like, it's a, it's a photo of like a vitamin supplement bottle or it's a, a, you know, a photo of a product. And it's like, who in reality logs onto social media that says, I want to see a great branded post. I want to see a commercial. I want to see a product shot. It just, the, the landscape has fundamentally shifted. The only time I do that is if I heard Ryan Reynolds has put out a new advertisement. Then yeah. I am searching. I'm like, oh, what did he do this time? But he's flipping the script on what it means to create like an effective piece of content. Dollar Shave Club, we were talking about before the call, like they did the same thing. Like it's entertainment. You know, it's telling an effective story. It's making you laugh. It's emotionally bringing you in, which is a, a different storytelling mechanism that there's a lot of thought put into that. As you're talking, um, what, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done uh, on here is a guy named Kazakuri Ota. He uh, is the founder of a data company called Treasure Data. And um, he grew it over a billion dollars. He's from Japan. And as we were talking, we ended up talking about judo. I'd done martial arts most of my growing up years. And my teenage years, I was doing competitive judo. And he's a black belt as well. And uh, it's so interesting in the world of judo. Like, There's kind of 40 main throws that make up all of judo. And I remember being a green belt, winning all sorts of tournaments, and then fighting black belts at, at class. And they're doing the exact same thing. And it was almost like I was like a feather. And they would pick up and, and you know, over their head, my feet are over their head, coming down and slamming down on the mat. And it wasn't, it wasn't complicated. It wasn't all sorts of brute force. Uh, it's so much about speed and timing, like speed to off balance and timing of put your foot here and then this will happen, you know? And it's, you keep using this word nuance. And I just think about that so much about judo is uh, you, you, you got a hold of each other. You're going back and forth. You're going back and forth. And, and like literally just the, the person's foot has just almost hit the mat when you sweep it. And they've got all this energy going down on it. And it takes almost nothing to put them on the ground if your timing is exact. If you're too early and they haven't put the weight down, they're going to counter it and pick their foot back up and stumble. If you're too late and their foot's planted, you're, it's like kicking a wall. You know what I mean? Like it's not going anywhere. But that exact timing where they fully committed, it's almost there and your timing is perfect. It, it's, it's almost effortless how quick they go down, right? And as, I, as you're talking, like I keep thinking about this, like the, 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 the level of mastery that, that these guys who would toss me around have is so much about the basics with these just incredible amount of nuances. Do you see a similarity there? Do you think I'm off base? 100%, 100%. And I'm sure it takes you with those 40 moves years to master those and you practice them over and over again. And that's one of the things that when we work with clients and, and one of the big issues going back to your question of what people go wrong with social media is they just keep posting content. There's no like real structure to it. Again, going back to movies is, you know, film directors spend decades learning how to master the three-act structure. 
you can learn it right away, but it doesn't mean you're that you're a master at it. So what we really focus on when we're we're helping people break through on social media is let's focus on a single format and get amazingly good at that format. Like Alex Stemp, the photographer, he has used the exact same format. It's the only format he uses on his account, and he's been running it for two years. Mr. Beast, the biggest influencer on the planet, you know, 200 million subscribers across all of his channels. Even if you look at his videos four years ago, he's using the exact same format, but his mastery of that format today is light years ahead of where it was four years ago. But it's not like he keeps creating new formats and figuring out, you know, is he going to be able to make them work or just kind of like that spray and pray methodology. It's mastering a single format and getting really good at it. So I, I definitely see the analogy. I'm sure it's a lot with those movies. You have to practice them over and over and over again. It's not like it's like I'm going to learn a thousand moves and just keep learning more and more moves. It's, no, you get really good at the ones uh, that that know work. <laughs> That, that you know work until you've mastered them yeah uh i'll give another martial arts example there's a bruce lee quote that he says it's something like i fear not the man who has practiced ten thousand different kicks i fear the man who has practiced one kick ten thousand times a hundred percent that's an amazing quote um let's talk about this so let's say there's there's people like me who wish we could become brendan kane one day and we want to practice this skill set tell us about this new 50 page pdf yeah, so basically what we, we did is we created a guide to going viral that really breaks down these nuances of what it means to go viral. So we've talked a lot about it today. And the, the biggest way to uh, have success on social media is play to what the algorithm, algorithms want because the algorithms control reach and distribution. They determine if 1,000 people are going to see your post or 10 million people. And there's a lot of myths about the algorithms, one of which is they suppress your reach on purpose in order for you to uh, pay for it. But that's not the case because then nobody would ever go viral. Mr. Beast wouldn't go viral. You know, Alex Stemp wouldn't go viral. Graham Stephan wouldn't go viral. Because the reality, at the end of the day, we are their product. Because it's not like Netflix where they're producing and spending billions of dollars producing original content. We are their product. So essentially, they want to be our best friend but we need to understand what it is they're looking for. And they're fundamentally only looking for one thing, and that's user retention. Meaning the longer people spend on these platforms, the more ads they serve, the more profit they generate. So what they are looking for is content that can grab and hold attention with the widest possible audience. Because these platforms get billions of pieces of content every day, they're not gonna sit there and process and try and understand your intent as a creative of, oh, I want to reach this niche audience with this niche message and figure that out, and then figure all that out just to see that people are scrolling past your content because it comes off like an ad or it's not telling a great story or it doesn't have these creative nuances. No, they're going to favor the content when they test it. Let's just say they test it to 10,000 people and they see it's grabbing and holding attention and they'll send it to another 50,000, 100,000, just keep going that way. That is what the algorithms want, is to grab and hold attention. But because we're competing against so much content, that's where these creative nuances and mastery come in. Because you have to be able to, in the first few seconds, you know, set an expectation for the viewer that this piece of content is worth stopping and watching for a specific reason. And then once you stop and grab that attention, what are the nuances 
like one of the, the specific nuances we see a lot of creative uh, great content is tension building. Tension, release. Tension, release. I'm sure we've always had a conversation with somebody that's so monotone and flat and you're almost like falling asleep. But that person that has that inflection point and just keeps the energy going, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen next, grabs your attention. And the same that goes for content. So our guide to going viral just breaks down that that methodology and mindset of of how to approach uh, storytelling and communication in this new world that we find ourselves in. I want to talk about this. Uh, let, let's talk, you know, my sport right now is the interview show, right? Like this is, this is our format. Um, I'm interested, like, you know, the book, uh, hook point and you, you've talked about like Katie Couric and not like just having someone's famous is enough. I can completely attest to that being so true. Just having somebody who's personally a billionaire doesn't turn into huge downloads, right? And uh, of our of our audio podcast, and we we finally got on YouTube like ten days ago, and so Amazing. we're we're recutting our shorts and our stuff, to, you know, for reels and TikTok and and everything. But um, I guess the question for for me is like thinking about mastery of the interview game, and and knowing which clips to pull out and things like this. What kind of advice do you have for people like me? Yeah, so when we talk about clips, again, the principles that we talked about, the generalist principles. So if you have a billionaire on the show, uh, as you mentioned, just because he's a billionaire doesn't mean it's going to be interesting. So thinking about, and this is what I did with Katie Couric, is really engineering the interview for the output. So what I said with Katie is I don't want to create a list of questions. I want to create a list of hook points. So like if you think about it in the context of YouTube is visualizing uh, what is that that thumbnail and headline going to be? But what is that thumbnail and headline going to be that will make anybody interested, even if they're not interested in the specific subject matter that you're talking about? So again, going back to Graham Stephan, how I bought a Tesla for $78 instead of, hey, I'm going to break down the art of financing of cars. So it's really thinking about and going back into your old clips, what are the ones that stand out and putting yourself in in kind of the the average person's shoes that they're on YouTube, they th- see this thumbnail and headline against 10 other ones, what's going to make them stop if they don't have any idea who you are or they have no idea of who you're interviewing or they may have no interest in that subject matter. And it is a challenge but it's definitely achievable. So that's kind of the lens that I look at it. So I'll give you another a prime example of this. Um, there is a doctor. He's probably the biggest doctor on social media. His name's Dr. Mike. And, you know, medical and doctors, eh, people go to doctors, but do they want to watch content of a doctor talking about stuff? No, not really. So what did he do that was so brilliant? He did his most viewed videos, and I think there are over 30 million views, is real doctor reacts to Gray's anatomy. Real doctor reacts to good doctor. He doesn't even use his name because he knows nobody knows who he is. But people want to see, well, how is a doctor going to react to this TV show? And that format, you know, has been used several times over. But again, it's taking this um, specific expertise and in, in contextualizing it in a way that would be interesting to, to anybody. With the interview show specifically, we know who's coming on. Like, you know, there's two million podcasts. There's how many? There's how many interview shows on YouTube, right? Anybody in this space, we know who's coming on the shows next. When you think about 
um, maybe trying to hold ourselves to a higher standard of thinking of the hook point questions in advance and stuff. What's the principle you'd tell us? Well, the biggest thing that we, and the reason that, that our team has had success and continues to have success is we are doing the research. We are looking and analyzing who are the high performers versus the low performers. So like the high performers are probably like Joe Rogan or Lex Friedman, you know, people that are really- Gary Vee, my projects. first million, yeah. Yeah, um, but looking for those real breakthrough performances and even within like, let's say, say because Joe's still posting some clips to, to YouTube, but not as much anymore, but Lex Friedman is really mastering it. So it's looking at and analyzing and creating a, a, re, a research Excel sheet. This is a part of what our analyst does of like taking an account like Lex Friedman or Gary Vee and looking at the clips that are the high performers, but also looking at the clips from his same channel that are low performers and seeing what are the differences between them. Is it nuances in the thumbnail, the headline, uh, the first few seconds, things of that nature? And then once you have that understanding, use those learnings to then create your own hook points. Because oftentimes what I see is uh, people are just creating it in a vacuum. They're just sitting in you know, in a creative meeting and saying, oh, this would be cool or this would be cool. But you're not substantiating it with any type of data. And again, there's so much nuances even within a hook point. So that's what I would really focus on in, in, in studying that to, to understand what nuances you can glean from in order to make those, those clips successful. So with the way your business has evolved, who's your ideal customer these days? Yeah, I would say the ideal customers is, is creatives or anybody creating content that essentially lives and dies by its ability to be successful. And especially when you're talking about a down economy, it becomes more important because you are you know, typically pulling back on, on media spend or resources and things of that nature. So your content has to work harder for you. So, you know, we've worked with some of the, the biggest corporations in the world, billion-dollar corporations. We've also worked with solopreneurs that, that, you know, are just starting out. And the delineation between success and not success comes down to mindset. It's our process works if you have zero views and zero followers, and it works if you have millions of fo followers and millions of views. We've worked on both ends of the spectrum, and our process, you know, remains the same. I mean, our team has collectively done uh, 60 billion views uh, and 100 million followers using this system. And it works because of uh, the, the, the level of analysis and understanding of these creative nuances. Uh, so really, we just are looking for creatives uh, and companies that are really motivated to excel at this, this new level of communication. You know, CEOs listening today, founders, creatives listening today, can you give them a sense of like the kind of packages? Hey, you know, if, if your company's doing millions, we're probably going to talk to you about something like this. If you're a solopreneur creator, here's the, here's the kind of things people get from us. Yeah. So, you know, like on the smaller end, typically what we'll do is we'll develop a custom social media strategy where we do the research and insights for you, help you de determine the platform, the specific format you know, create that strategy, walk you through it, um, and then you go off and running and execute on it. Uh, there's a middle tier where we do that, create the strategy and everything, and then we offer the ability for our team to creative direct the output of that and even do the post-production work on it. And then at the highest level, the you know, the, the billion-dollar corporations, you know, essentially what we're doing is 
it's typically a six to 12 month engagement where we're going in and doing a deep analysis of their creative resources, uh, identifying their strengths, uh, their weaknesses, um, training their internal team in our creative process, um, helping them develop uh, the insights and research, and then going through creative sprints. So we go through uh, you know, a sprint every week or a few weeks where we're producing content with them so that we can analyze the output of that before it's posted. We can analyze the data with them. And we keep repeating that process over and over again until these methodologies are deeply ingrained in the DNA of how they create content going forward. I'm interested where what your feelings are. You know, hear people like Gary Vee or other folks right now saying like, yes, TikTok is, TikTok is winning so much, but YouTube Shorts really has a chance because because of the search factor. Where do you weigh in on, on, you know, looking at 2023, when you think about a platform that people might really want to overinvest in, what, what's, what's some thoughts for you? Yeah, I would say it's highly dependent on the client um, and what their goals and objectives are. I would say, uh, you know, first off, I want to say, you know, the, the big platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, if you master any one of them, you're going to win. So. Is TikTok the hottest kid on the block? Is it growing super fast? Is there a massive opportunity? Yes. But that's not to say if you don't master Instagram or YouTube or Facebook, it doesn't pre present a greater opportunity. Um, TikTok, I would say, is a great platform for quicker wins, uh, for quicker scale. Uh, but when we, when we look at YouTube and the ecosystem of YouTube, and I wouldn't say that YouTube is more valuable because of search. I would say YouTube is more valuable for two reasons. One, for like the creators, it's the only one that has a revenue share. So all of the other platforms are like, you know, these um, creator fund pools where they set money aside that creators can pull from versus YouTube because of the way their advertising system is set up. There is a, a pure revenue share there. So creators have far more upside from, you know, the revenue share standpoint on YouTube than any of the other platforms. Uh, Number two, one of the biggest, even though YouTube is going heavy into shorts, one of the biggest pros of YouTube versus other platforms is the end consumer of that content is uh, trained to consume long form content. So people going to YouTube have the mindset subconsciously that I'm willing to sit and watch a 10 minute video, 15 minute video, 20 minute video versus TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. It's, you know, 60 seconds or less. That's kind of the mindset. And with that, you know, you build so much bigger of a brand connection in long form content that you do in short form connection. So, um, and then the, the, the value of YouTube shorts is, and Mr. Beast has talked about it, is people will consume a short and if you design it properly, it leads into you know, a, a longer video. So it kind of plays both ends of the spectrum of the value. But creating long-form content is obviously more resource-intensive to do. And one of the other pros of YouTube is that content typically lives on forever. It doesn't just die, you know, die out there versus like TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. It just gets buried. This has been great. What, what do you want to leave people with today? Well, let's start with the website and the best places to get in contact if they want to look at those packages, if they want to get this 50-page PDF, things like this. Yeah, you can go to uh, hookpoint.com if they want to connect with us. Um, they can schedule a call with our team. They can, you know, watch a video that explains our methodology a little bit deeper. 
uh, they can uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I respond to LinkedIn, uh, Brendan Kane, and also on Instagram. I respond to uh, direct messages there as well. Um, and and how about the uh, the guide to going viral? Yeah, so if they message me on on LinkedIn or they can also email me. My email is brendan at hookpoint.com. Uh, I can send it out. We haven't really formally launched it to the public, so I can you know, send people an early copy of it. Well, we covered a bunch of different subjects here. What didn't I ask? I think you, your questions were amazing. I think we covered, we've covered almost everything that that I could think of. I think that the, the you know, the kind of the closing thoughts is, we do live in a very different world where we've gone from maybe a few million people reaching the masses to four billion people, and it fundamentally has shifted the way we need to look at how we communicate to be able to stand out and you know achieve our goals. It's fun. Since you were on last, uh, we've tripled the team. So we, we're still making videos and podcasts for you know some of the largest media companies. We just put their logo on it and, and everybody thinks they made it, right? But we started building shows like this one for CEOs and investment fund managers. And we actually have a free class. Anybody who emails me or find me on LinkedIn, you can get into our free class on how to build a podcast yourself instead of hiring us. But uh, what's interesting is our team, like <laughs> everybody in my company has to read Hookpoint. We've tri- I told you we've tripled the staff since you were on last. Everybody has to read Hookpoint. And like I've read it another couple of times last year since reading it the four times the first time. And uh, you like get talked about at our company a lot and with our clients. And like literally on an email this morning, it was a, to our top leadership team. Uh, there was this conversation about like what we need to do because there's two people off the podcast that we're trying to hire. We're trying to hire Mr. Beast Coach, Daryl Eves, and you. And like, we literally have a goal on the company of like, how do we make enough extra money that we can hire Brendan? So amazing. Uh, we're, we're fans. We think everybody should be calling you guys and getting appointments. So I appreciate it. Thanks for making time for this. No, thank you. It was a pleasure to connect with you and everybody uh, that was listening to this. Okay. Bye, everyone.